Hi folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. If you listen to this before Thursday evening, July 20th, you probably still have time to grab the last handful of tickets that are available for our live show in the Sugar Club. We will be sitting down with the HSC whistleblower Shane Core and be joined by Roman and Owen from the Ditch, as well as a live shrapnel Lost an implementation crossover where, where Emma D'Souza and Sam McElwain will discuss the Good Friday Agreement 25 years on and what the state of play is right now in Northern Ireland politics. It'll be a brilliant evening and we'd love to see lots of you there. The tickets are available on eventbrite.ie. Grab them now. The link is in the bottom of the podcast you're listening to now. If you're not coming along but you like what we do, please join us. Please support us. It's patreon.com forward slash tortoise It's the price of a fancy cup of coffee and a scone once a month and it keeps these mics on and it gives you access to all sorts of extras including podcasts that we did this week alone with a group of doctors who talked about their experience of the housing crisis and how it's impacting their ability to do to deliver care in the health service. There's also Kevin Cunningham, the man behind Ireland Thinks on political polling in Ireland and a bit of a debate on whether it's editorialised or just stylized. And that's without the podcast with Holly Cairns and Brendan Ogle that are all available for our patrons on patreon.com forward slash tortoise Join us for a month, see what you think. We always say it's more than a podcast platform, it's activism. And think, and you can think of this as the easiest bit of activism you do every month. Patreon.com forward slash tortoise I'm going to stop rabbiting on now. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber Podcast. My name is Tony Groves and this morning I'm flying solo because the other fella couldn't get out of the scratcher. So, you know, um, solidarity with you, Martin. It's it's great that you don't get up till Joe Duffy starts, but, you know, the rest of the world has done a day's work while you're turning over. Anyway, look, we have, we're, 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 on, we're on the clock because uh, I'm rejoined by Solidarity PPP TD Paul Murphy, who is on the plinth in about half an hour. So, Paul, we best, we best, we yes, Milan, and let's let's talk about this in terms of the context of the end of term is coming. You're all sitting your final exams, and uh, let's. If I was to give you a grade, Paul, if you would ask you to grade yourself, how did you get on this year? Oh, I'll grade myself. I yeah. have top marks, of course. Uh, would you? I, I wouldn't give the rest of all that marks, though. Um, oh, you're a solid C plus now. Room to improve. Well, I believe next next year's room to improve is just going to be Dermot Bannon and a team of forensic accountants going around checking on RT Stars uh, barter accounts. But anyway, we digress. We we should touch on um, the RT Investigates report um, yes. program on on the dairy industry. Now, I'm going to put it to you that in much the same way, some of these things uh, are shocking to see. And people absolutely do need to see the, the video sometimes to realize the scope of these things. I, we weren't really that surprised. I mean, like there was what there was other investigations done into this a number of years ago. Yeah, I think for those that follow these things and for animal rights activists in particular, um, what was shown last night will not be shocking. Um, but I think, you know, and understandably, the vast majority of ordinary people who are just going about their lives and drinking their milk and not really thinking about how it comes, where, where it comes from and the whole process that lies behind it it probably will be shocking. And I think it is a good example of like public service broadcasting at its best. It's the kind of stuff that RT should be doing, not be distorted by commercial funding and so on. Um, I mean, in particular, you know, and again, this is stuff we knew, but like literally hundreds of thousands of dairy bull calves live exported every year in incredibly cramped, like horrendous conditions. Like uh, they're like three floors in a, in a truck sometimes on top of each other within those floors, literally hundreds of them packed in, not given 
food or water for like up to a day, not given proper rest periods. And then also what was revealed was like, including in the marts in Ireland, just completely mistreated, beaten around with sticks, thrown around, uh, just really awful stuff that people will. And like what was good about the program, I thought in fairness, is that they get to the root cause of why this is happening, which isn't just wanton cruelty. It's happening because the way the whole industry is set up, these, which are like the male calves mm. are effectively worthless and um, they're not going to produce any milk and they're just like kind of a byproduct to be discarded either by getting the knackeries to come and kill them and dispose of them or to to export them as you know in, in these horrific uh, conditions yeah and 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 look uh, again uh, it does highlight the good work and and rt investigates continuously do over the years let's be honest here sometimes the sad part is that it requires rt investigates for something to you know it's like it's like the old saying if uh, get it on joe duffy for a couple of days and the government might sit up and pay attention you know and very much the case when it comes to this and and, and all of that via the prism of what's happening in RTE and the trust uh, that people keep talking about in public service broadcasting. I personally don't think it's going to be any more changed than it kind of was already. It was already low in, in European standards. We're already, we're, and there are issues there how we split you know, the corporate interest from the public broadcasting interest. And, and we have to we have to have a wider conversation around that. But I also want to touch on then the, the Iceland workers in the context of RTE. There are Iceland workers who are owed less money than RTE spent on flip-flops, Paul. That's true. That's definitely yeah. true. Yeah, and and yeah. this is this is gospel truth. I sat with them. The podcast is out there. Oh, now you can, you can hear Donna and Alex talk about. It. Excellent. I think some of them are coming into the doll today. Actually, when we're going to brilliant. Play this in the and, yeah. and it's but it's shameful. There, here we are again. Debenhams. We were sitting in exactly. Alba Street, six hundred meters from from the mm-hmm. old Debenhams, Debenhams building, yeah. and half the distance again to where Cleary's was. Yeah. That's right. Well, and no lessons learned, no changes made, despite all the promises that would never I, happen again. I, I put it to you that lessons were learned, that, that they just implemented it as policy now. That it's just unspoken, unwritten policy now, that this is how we operate. And we allow these predatory um, employers in, in the UK switch their assets, move their uh, move their lo- finances around. Exactly, low, low debt onto the company. Like if you yeah. see, when the company was up in court, it was said they had something like 38 million in debts, but 36 million in debts are to their parent company. They're to themselves, you know. Um, but the, all of this is an excuse not to pay the workers what they're owed in terms of holiday pay, in terms of unpaid uh, wages. Um, really, but, but then the other thing you have to say in terms of lessons learned is, and this is, although Debenhams ultimately went down to a defeat, they you know, created an inspiring example for workers about how you can fight, how you should fight. And like, I think, I presume that's a reference point for the workers in Iceland. I was down with the workers in Iceland who are occupying and like saying to the boss, well, you know, you're going to have to pay what, us what we're owed if you want us to get out of here. You want to be able to move your stuff um, out of here. So I think that's, that's the one positive. Is, is, okay, so the, is the other positive then that maybe uh, looking at the Independent Workers Union are, and looking at what's happening at RT in terms of the NUJ finding its voice, in my opinion, for the first time in years, uh, are, are we finally starting to see the um, cobwebs being shook off the union movement and a little bit more radicalization slipping in? And I use we would what we would call radical, we would just you know in the modern <laughs> parlance proper is, trade unionism. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Is, um, are we are we seeing that? I mean, we'll see. Um, I think the IWU is doing a very, very good job in terms of Iceland, no question about it. But they have always been, you know, a much more radical, much more militant uh, union in reality. Um, I think it is very good that the the RT workers and the NUJ have been to the fore and in saying, look, <laughs> we're not all treated like Ryan Tuberty and the top executives 
loads of us are getting nothing as freelancers. We're bogus self-employed because obviously Martin has particularly uh, highlighted we're paid really poorly. We were faced with job cuts um, and highlight, you know, the whole RT thing. It's like a microcosm of society as a whole and this class society whereby those at the top are seen as the talent. Everybody else is seen as just the, the people who do the work, you know what I mean? Not particularly talented. Um, so it is good that the NUJ has been to the forefront of, of that. I think it's important that that definitely continues. Well, I'd like to see it become something tangible and see results for people because I know from experience, I know from first-hand accounts speaking to someone who, for example, people, actors in Fair City who, you know, had their contracts renegotiated, finally given some sort of employee status and still weren't entitled to pensions and, and holiday pay. I've seen, I know, examples of people who you would, we would think of as, you know, probably have more viewers on them when they're, when they're on screen mm-hmm. than uh, these uh, so-called top talent. Oh. And yes, one, in one example, the person I, I spoke to earned less money in one year than one influencer did for promoting Cheltenham. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so this is the, the, it's the soft, it's the corrosion of soft corruption, Paul. And you said it, it's endemic in, in the system. Did you not feel a little bit queasy watching politicians like Niall Collins lecturing RTE um, about it? And, and, and again, I, to, to give the lads the ditch, to give the lads the ditch their, 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 their flowers for, for a moment. This year has been the year of the ditch in terms of exposing this type of stuff. Yes. You know, that soft corruption that I, that corrodes everything. It's not just in RTE, it's in our politics, it's in our media, it's in much of our things. And and now, you know, I, I put it to you that there's people have just sort of gotten used to it. Like the ditches the ditch break a story now, people just go, Ah, sure look, and they all at it. Yeah, well and, and part of the uh certainly Fina Fall, Fine Gale reaction to the ditch has increased has been to decide to we're gonna hold the line. We're gonna defend people from now on. We're not gonna accept that when when like instances of corruption and breaches of the ethics legislation are exposed that people have to resign they've kind of decided that they're not going to and then asher like they're all at it that kind of stuff no question and i do think i think the point you make about the right-wing politicians laying into rte um is a good point i think that they have a very reactionary agenda here which kind of has two parts a short-term aim and a long-term aim the short-term aim is they're just delighted that someone else is the subject of public ire and criticism and they get to look good by sticking the boot into to RTE. Um, so that's the kind of short-term aim is like, great, we're heading up to the summer break it at all, get a few weeks out of no one, RTE. No, like, no, no one's mentioning the fact that we haven't implemented all of these these um, supports we've got to do when we lifted the eviction ban. It, no one's... No one exactly. Has, no one it's has got, it's gobbling up yeah. the whole yeah. media space. Like, So they're not being criticised. They're delighted about that. But then I think the kind of medium to long-term plan that is even more dangerous is that this is an opportunity to kind of drive Orti in the direction of privatization. And again, it's a bit like Ireland joining NATO. That's not something that happens overnight. It's a frog boiling. They do it bit by bit. But this idea, oh, we'll separate out the commercial side from the public service side, as in create a private entity, which is the the commercial side where the commercial interests absolutely uh, flourish, like diminish the public service uh, side, replace the license fee with a more wide ranging broadcasting uh, charge. Like that's that's where they want to go. And so I think a fight about that actually becomes quite important to say people are right to be angry about what happened to RT. What happened to RT comes 
precisely because of the kind of corrupting influence of this commercial money. The idea we have to have these stars, to have the advertisers, we have to have these special deals, all of that. And what we need to do is to get rid of the license fee, to properly fund public service broadcasting in its entirety through let's tax the big social media uh, giants through a, a digital services tax. Well, look, I mean, that's a, that's a, an argument that can be put forward. I know Simon McGar um, has written extensively about, you know, funding models that are available, but we mm-hmm. do need to move away from the corporatization of public service broadcasting. And now that's, yeah. that's really, really clear. But it comes back to, again, to widen it out. They're talking about, you know, well, if we don't pay half a million, they'll leave. Same nonsense about bankers mm-hmm. pay and caps on bankers mm-hmm. pay. Say, yeah, yeah. Same reason why the the shock is pay is you know in in the second least densely populated country in the EU is one of the top four pays <laughs> and, uh, heads of state. You know we have got this kind of idea that look Dublin is Manchester, Ireland is Manchester, folks, and on a on a on a exactly. population basis, and yet we want to be paid by like London or Singapore. Uh, you just you just story the other day, which clearly, well, very lightly came from Noel Kelly saying that you know Ryan Tuberty will be giving, getting big offers from BBC or whatever, and this threat that they're all going to going to leave. Um, I think you know, and and again, it's very worrying that the new guy who's come in has said explicitly no to mm. pay caps when like that's obviously what we need. And like uh, I gonna I'm gonna push back and say I don't care so much about the idea of pay caps. I just take if you genuinely believe that that's what you're what you're worth. Go out into the market and get it. Mm-hmm. Show me, show me, show me your offer from BBC that says you can walk and get Stephen Nolan money because you can't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree, but I think we should have a as in terms of like establishing um, an ethos of like public service in the public mm-hmm. sector and in the likes of RTE. There's there's no need for anyone to be on more than a hundred thousand euros. And one of the stories that went completely under the radar precisely because of the RTE story, is there's a new report out coming from um, Pascal Donahue's department, Deeper, uh, about the pay of very high-paid civil servants, which effectively the bottom line outcome is the likes of Watt, who's currently on close to 300,000, they're all going to get a 10 to 15% pay increase. That's where they're heading. Do you know what I mean? So it isn't yeah, just RTE. And, it's and, and, the... and think about, again, another story that slipped under is that the DPC found in Shane Corr's favour, the whistleblower and the HSC, about what was going on, about how they were collecting data on family situations That's with right. children with, with, with disabilities or learning disabilities and autism. And... Yeah. In order and, to use it against them in court cases, like, or to and, threaten them to use it against them. And Robert Watts stood over the entire thing yeah. and stood over the entire thing, the disgusting nature of that, to be able to do that and say, you know, we don't accept it. And now quietly, yesterday they went, well, okay, we'll have to delete all that. Similar to how, you know, the same department had to delete the entire database that they were monitoring everybody's journeys. Exactly. As they went, we've been caught again. Yeah. And... But that's that's corruption in in mm-hmm. in the state. That's endemic in the state, and th- there's no accountability for it. A fine of twenty two and a half thousand euro to the HSE for doing what you know, you or I would probably see jail time if we were if we were uh, if we were sort of monitoring families like that. It's just it's gross, Paul. It, it absolutely is. Um, but it, it, the whole issue of data protection, like I think it's an un kind of discussed area. It's that's part of the race to the bottom. That like. Mm. 
Ireland seeks to to win, you know, in terms of attracting big tech corporations. So we have low levels of uh, taxation. You can come and have all your data centers. Basically, dump your toxic data here. We'll, come for we'll the, take the hit. Come for the, the low protection. Yeah, come for the low. I remember I said it a few. But it must be six years ago. I said, "Come for the low taxes. Stay for the lax the lax protections." That's very good. That, yes, that's absolutely, absolutely yes, exactly. And, and then that feeds into how the state itself behaves in terms. Which of is, by the way, for the benefit of listeners in the EU, Ireland is known as a bottleneck. So all these cases generally have to go through Ireland because many of these people are domiciled here. Yeah. So 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 in in one example. Spain was processing, say, um, of these big companies, they were processing something like eight of these cases a month. Ireland wasn't doing eight every every four years, I believe it was something like yeah. that. You know, so we sit on these things. Um, I I want to well, we got to keep the keep this moving, right? So we're back in budget season. The summary economic statement has come out, and again because of RT, it sort of slipped under the radar that the government are getting credit for you know the 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 success of the tax avoidance network that we have uh, and but they're getting away with ignoring both the Irish Fiscal Advisory Council and the Irish government's economic evaluation service saying don't be cutting taxes lads don't go back down this let's not see 2007-2006 uh, economics back here and but, but they're promised to do it already they're, and the line has been swallowed oh, but they're going to do it in a, in, a, in a sustainable way you know we're going to cut taxes Paul when Trump promised these things they were called tax breaks for the rich why don't we have this kind of level of 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 um critique here we simply just accept it and say they, they call the squeeze middle but the squeeze middle won't get anything out of this because the squeeze middle on the median wage aren't really going to benefit from this but if you're on over 75 grand happy that's days. right they, i mean they, they create the impression it's strange you know because like the average person is is not on anywhere near that, but they managed to create the impression that the average worker is on something heading towards one hundred thousand euros, when that is a very small percentage of the population. And um, if you look at the the breakdown, and um, the vast majority of people are on low wages, that's the that's the truth. But then they try and create this exactly a squeeze middle, which is not. It's which, not which, the middle, like, you know. No, 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 <laughs> I want to be very clear on this. The Irish Times um, ran a piece about ten days ago. Uh, and I effectively thought it was an advertorial because their source was someone within KPMG who okay. said that the the median wage there was fifty thousand euro. But they were referring to a certain industry. Yeah, they weren't yeah. referring to the general public. And people bought this line, and the Irish Times reprinted it. Mm-hmm. The, we know that the actual median wage is somewhere between thirty six and forty two. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a yeah. lot less, and those people aren't going to benefit um, to, yeah. the, to the extent. So. We're losing the battle as a, in the PR world, and we're losing the battle in politics. And people like you need to call that out. I agree. I mean, the, the big thing we're obviously working on our budget statement now um, for the the coming budget uh, season. Um, the most important thing that we'll be saying is we have this massive budget surplus, and we need to use it to build a state construction company. Like that's I think Rory Earn uh, with. Philomena Murphy mm-hmm. wrote a really good paper recently. People can find it online. It's really powerful and it's full of the the stats that you need to arm yourself to make the argument for this. Um, that's that's what we need to do. You know what I mean? Like like housing crisis is the number one political issue, the biggest social crisis facing uh, the country, um, and you've absolute failure because you're just relying on the market to deliver. So the idea that the state needs to to step in, um, but, but this, we're back to we're back to you now. You'll be we'll be called communists again, Paul. You know, and I told, I don't. Did you see Lua's um, video recently? The Brazilian president, where he said he, he did that sort of laughing, and it was it was translated on the bottom. He said uh-huh. he said people keep insulting me, calling me a communist and a socialist. I am. <laughs> and I just thought I just thought. Well, here we go. But uh, but but nonetheless, uh, look, you're. Uh, 
your your colleague has this has uh, Breed Smith has announced that she won't be running uh, in the in the next general election. Yeah. Um, I've heard you know people express sort of how it's a blow to left. I think there's there's plenty of talent coming behind and there's plenty of space for the left seat to be to be maintained. But just uh, briefly on Breed herself, Paul, what yeah. what 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 has she meant to you as as a colleague and as an activist? Oh, Breed's great. Yeah, um, because I what I joined People for a Profit three years ago now at this stage. Mm. I don't know. Seems like a long time. Um, maybe it was only two years ago. I think it was three. Um, but obviously I've known Breed from, I mean, years and years. All my time I've been a socialist activist. Breed has been a socialist activist well before me. Um, Breed has always been a stalwart. Uh, Breed is like a super active person. You know, Breed isn't someone who sees herself as like, oh, I'm a parliamentarian. I don't get my hands dirty doing the organizing or whatever. Breed is always the first to volunteer to organized stuff and um, she's a powerhouse of an activist obviously a really principled um socialist fighter and a very powerful voice i think for ordinary people in the doll i think people really appreciate breed's uh kind of no nonsense approach do you know what i mean she doesn't take any crap from <laughs> Mia martin or Varadkar or or whatever um so she definitely will be a loss but she is going to continue obviously as a as an activist just just I, not in the doll when you said powerful voice i i, I had heard she's a very good singer as well so that's a, that's a that that that's for the that's for the session afterwards i, I believe uh, look paul i know you're under under time pressure i know you have to get out to to the plinth but if i was to ask you coming into the into the summer recess now housing uh, and the cost of living crisis is going to come back onto the agenda the moment it gets colder again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, where, do, where do you guys stand in terms of holding the government to account and and finding out where Sinn Féin have been for the last little while because they've been very quiet. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, think, I think you're right. I mean, it's actually ironic that the, the so-called protections that they promised at the time that they lifted the eviction ban basically won't be in place until the time of the year that they introduced the eviction ban yeah. last year. So the question about eviction ban is going to emerge sharply again, whereby we'll be saying, well, the crisis is even worse now. You introduced it last year. Why aren't you going to introduce it again? I think the government will resist very strongly introducing it because if they do introduce it, then they'll be faced with withdrawing it if they proceed with their policy at the time of the of the local election. So I think that is going to be a very sharp uh, point. And then precisely as you say, the cost of living crisis. Um, but the way people are feeling that at the moment is the question of, groceries but it but fuel electricity costs are going to re-emerge because you know while like they kind of again give people the impression the prices are going to come down by saying that inflation is, is coming down but inflation is just the rate of increase so the rate of increase is slowing but it's still increasing in general yeah no the, 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 the good news is the bad the, the, the good news is the bad news is less is less bad than it was previously yeah and- Exactly. It's, it's yeah, that's bad. Like, but like all the badness of beforehand is like yeah. built in, and we're just building on more badness. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, United had a survey saying that the average worker was down in real terms seventy five euros. That'll be probably over hundred euros by now. That's what people are are feeling. So, so, so much of the so much of the government put on say uh, pensions and and um, and social welfare payments in the budget, Paul. Uh, I think we're calling for well, we're calling for at least inflation. As in mm. at least ten percent increase. Anything less than that, and I had an exchange with um, Heather Humphreys last week on that. Um, anything less than that, you're just pushing people into into poverty. That's 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 just the reality. Well, you don't well, give people well, inflation. Well, well, to put to, to push back on you, what you don't realize is you're you're already behind because they didn't keep pace with inflation last year. Absolutely. So so you need actual you need to actually double bubble that. You need to turn around and say, well, we need we need twelve percent to make up for the te- for the for the six percent you gave us last year and the six percent we need this year kind of thing. And that's yep. the reality of it. That's the cold hard facts that people are worse off year on year. Look, Paul. I, again, I'm conscious. I'm conscious. We, need, it, we go on. Yeah. Just 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 let me let me plug. Um, 
one of the things we'll be pushing is the cost of living coalition protest on Saturday the 7th of October so we're going to be launching that this week there's a press event on Wednesday I think and that is the idea of trying to mobilise that pressure again in advance of the budget there was a very big protest last year in advance of the budget around the idea of price controls proper increases in terms of social welfare wage increases and so on well, look, we'll we'll leave it there. Thanks very much, Paul. Thanks for all always joining us at short notice, giving us your your thoughts. Um, as I said, C plus could do better. A little bit more, a little bit more expected. We are back. Uh, Owen Gill Martin, the our uh, the journalist uh, who writes with Jacobin and, and several other organisations in Madrid, is back to talk about the fears of what's going to happen in the Spanish uh, election coming soon. It's it's pretty it's pretty out there at the moment. So Owen will be joining us, and Keenan Brennan from the Examiner is due to jump on as well to tell us about what he what he made of the. Uh, the uh, tubs and stubs uh, uh, appearances at the Oireachtas committees. I don't think we'll spend too much time on that. Keenan is a great um, journalist who knows all about bogus self-employment and the practices go in there. I think we'll go a bit deeper into that. So all of that will be coming your way as well, folks. Uh, support the Iceland workers. Support the Iceland workers. Absolutely. Talk to you soon, folks. Take care. Bye-bye. See you, Tony. Tony and Martin Martin and Tony Speaking to interesting people only It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.